giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Chad Pytel, and with me today is Michael Ben Ezra, executive director and co-founder of the GK Fund, a nonprofit social impact fund to support BIPOC-owned companies in greater Boston. Michael is also the COO of Colette Phillips Communications, helping to lead the all-inclusive Boston tourism campaign, among other projects. Michael, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm curious about the GK Fund. When did you start the fund? Um, So I was at the time, I was working for the Israeli foreign ministry, and I was working with venture capital firms, private equity firms, and I was um, representing over 200 Israeli companies in New England, most of them startups. And my wife is black. My family is black. You know, I've been close to, to that community for, for a long time. And um, especially in the venture capital world, I started to see some real disparities mm-hmm. amongst other disparities in general everyday life. But it was particularly bad in the VC world. And so Colette, being a mentor and a friend of mine, Colette Phillips, um, I approached her and I said, hey, like, what do you think about starting this you know, fund, this nonprofit fund? And her and Andre Porter, who is our other co-founder, who used to be the head of the state's business development agency um, in Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. um, we all decided to kind of band together and start this nonprofit. Now, we started the nonprofit in December of 2019. So the pandemic hit right as we were kind of creating this organization. And we had a decision to make. Do we put this on hold? Or do we move forward and accelerate? And we decided to just move forward. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you made that decision. Hopefully you (laughs) feel the same way. Yeah, I do. (laughs) You're absolutely right. There's a big need here. And I actually have had over the last two months or so, a few different guests that are creating VC funds or funds of certain kind that address underrepresented communities, Black. Another one was veterans. And there's such a big need how did you decide what you were going to focus on or focus down into? So for example, you know, focusing on Boston. For Boston specifically, it had to do mostly with proximity. So I went to Harvard here for grad school. I worked for Governor Patrick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it was natural to stay local, especially during COVID. You know, in my, in my experience, there were a lot of BIPOC, particularly Black-owned startups that were, you know, on paper were akin to a lot of other startups in the Israeli world, which were very developed, or also in the United States. I'll give you an example. Um, There was a company that I worked with that had a $100 million valuation, but had no products, no physical products, right? They had no revenue, Mm -hmm. but they had innovation. Now, you and I being very honest, do you think a Black-owned company could get away with that? Yeah, no. (laughs) There is no way. I knew that. Um, the other entrepreneurs um, that I've talked to know that. Um, and that is a terrible double standard that needs to be fixed. So, um, you know, we look for the same things in companies, BIPOC companies, that we look for in other companies because for the most part, the innovation is there. It's just the opportunity isn't. Yeah. To dig into that a little bit more, I think one might say, well, you know, if they had a founding team that had a proven track record, then maybe. And that's where you get into some of this, to the fact that it's systemic too, because if the headwinds are there where they can never get that experience to begin with, they never get that opportunity to begin with, then they're not going to have a founding team that has a track record. 
that will be invested in based on just the team. That is 100% accurate, but it's actually even worse. So we do not ask our founders um, in the application process for their educational background, but Mm -hmm. all six of the uh, companies that got grants from us last November, they all have their bachelors. Four out of six have masters or higher. And so the cream definitely rose to the top. You know, we had a store owner, um, she owns an online boutique who got an engineering degree from Purdue, you know, um, and we also have an entrepreneur who um, was an attorney at State Street, a corporate attorney, and now he's, you know, created this startup. And so in some cases, like in most other areas, you know, these individuals are overqualified. Mm -hmm. So what is the funding model for GK on both sides of the equation? Where is the money coming from? And then how are you funding the companies? So we raise money organically like any other nonprofit does. So, you know, we apply for grants. um, We take corporate donations. We take individual contributions online. You know, most of our money so far has come in in through um, corporate contributions. So PNC Bank has been with us since the beginning. Uh, They made a very large commitment to supporting racial equity, and they've really stuck to it. Um, the Bar Foundation's been except, uh, exceptional, um, and then we've also had you know a group of individual donors um, who are actually um, white women who have started their own nonprofit now, and they've also banded together to give us money that we uh, we need to regrant to the companies. We have over hundred thousand from the state of Massachusetts to operate a grant program. Um, so money's come in through a number of different avenues. We've uh, issued six micro grants so far at ten thousand dollars each. We did that in November. We plan to do ten more in the next month. You know, I said in the the Boston Business Journal article, you can give us money, but we, you can't park it with us like you could with a donor advised fund. You know, and watch it accumulate uh, interest. You know, for fifteen years. I mean, we're going to take it and we're going to give it to the people that need it the most. Mm-hmm. And are they? Grants, then you're using the word grants, so I assume that yep. they are. But so you're not doing this in exchange for equity in the companies? No, no equity in the companies, you know, no convertible notes, just a straight capital grant directly to the companies. So, you know, I send a message over to our fiscal sponsors at um, Philanthropy Massachusetts. They send the check directly over to the company. After that, we have the company fill out a survey letting us know, you know, what they plan to use it for. But we're not overly prescriptive. Uh-huh. And that's actually the way that philanthropy is heading right now, is uh, putting fewer you know, restrictions and barriers in the way. And that's another thing I'll talk about as well, um, is making it easier for companies to, to gain access. So did you ever consider more of like a um, traditional VC fund model with this? Yeah, originally I did. Before the pandemic, actually, I did. Mm-hmm. So the original purpose um, or impetus of the fund was to take companies that were coming out of accelerator programs that were underfunded. You have some great accelerators, but you have companies leaving with like a business plan in $2,000. In some cases, there are companies that have been through three accelerator programs. Mm-hmm. They're not getting as much out of it as they should. I wanted us to intervene, find the companies that have the most potential and make investments um, but after COVID hit, um, you know, it was a crisis. And so uh, we needed to to shift our focus to philanthropy. The nice thing about that is then you can do those grants with 
basically no strings attached for the companies. Whereas if you were taking money for people who expected to get a return on that investment, you you wouldn't be able to do that. That's that's exactly right. There are organizations out there that say that they're making an impact when in reality they're just making you know loans or which is not a not a bad thing, but you know they're issuing loans or they're taking equity in the companies. That's fine, but it's not what we're doing. Yeah. What are your plans for like upcoming? Are you going to be continuing with micro grants or do you have bigger plans? Uh, we have bigger plans. So um, I can't say too much right now because we have an announcement coming up, but I will say like issues like legal services have come up. There's a constant need for attorneys for any company, um, whether it's contracts or locking down real estate or copyright and trademark or IP. We are working with a very large prestigious law firm that, that's really making a generous commitment to our companies. Um, so, and this would involve us even adding free legal services for an entire year to our grantees. So that's one thing that we're planning to do. Um, and then the others, um, and this is another function of the fund, is we speak with organizations like Lyft, who's donated like $5,000 in ride credits that we're giving to our, our grantees, or Wix, which has given us like 75% off of websites. We work with partners who can also give us other services that we can provide to these companies to try to get them closer to where there's a gap. Giving them capital is not enough. Mm-hmm. You know, the disparities are, are too significant. We also partnered with Berkshire Bank, so I can make direct referrals for loans if they need them. But the idea is to really like narrow that, that gap and, and give these companies the same opportunities that their white counterparts have. That's great. So, you know, as someone who's white doing this work, how do you find yourself in the community? How do you be an effective ally and advocate? For me personally, you know, my connection personally mm-hmm. to, you know, um, through my wife and also through my family and my boss, um, you know, Colette is a pioneer. You know, she's a black woman in Boston who moved here not knowing anybody. And 30 years later, she's on all of the power of 50 and 100 influential lists. And, but she did that through hard work and she's worked much harder, I think, than she would have had to if, if she weren't a woman from Antigua who came here on her own. But ultimately, as an ally, it's my role, it's our role to step in between situations where uh, there's inequity. So if there is a company, one of our companies, for instance, who's having a problem uh, locking down real estate, I think I use this in the article, um, and they're saying, well, the real estate agent's telling us they can, ex- they can eliminate our lease at any time they prefer, um, which I know is you know, basically illegal. I'll call them up and say, look, like I'm with a fund, we're backing this company, we support them. What's the situation? And um, unfortunately, most of the time, the outcome actually changes. Yeah. So it's it's a matter of almost you got to be proactive and you got to be intentional. You have to use your privilege in the best way that you can. So I think that's how you do it. And then when it's time to shed a light on these companies, you take a step back. Um, you know, so it's not my role to go out there and promote myself. If anyone asks me, it's all, I'm always promoting the companies. Um, so the best thing we can do is be advocates. You can be out front, but at the end of the day, it's about uplifting them, these companies in this case. Yeah. 
That's great. Speaking of that, I was going to ask you, um, what are some of the companies that you know you have given the micro grants to and do you know how they use them? Yeah. So we gave our grants to company a few com- six companies. Uh, one is called Must Watch and Must Watch is founded by um, Shay. And Shay um, is originally from his family's from Haiti. They are a uh, an app. On, you can actually find them on the App Store. But what they do is they allow you to log in, select which uh, movies and television shows that you watch, and share them with your friends. And it sounds like a very simple concept, but there's actually nothing on the market that allows you to do this. And and the idea is that you're collecting data while you're doing this as must watch. So at the end of the day, if you have a sample of like 20,000 users on the platform, you gain a lot of valuable insight and data. And that data can be useful for like Nielsen or television networks or, or movie production studios. I encourage people to sign up for Must Watch because if you spend as much time as I do looking for good movies, you're probably miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I spend so much time doing that. We also have a few online retailers. Um, so we have B-Royal Boutique and Sozen Spa. Both of them have doubled the revenue during COVID. They originally had stores. They pivoted during COVID, went online, and really were excellent when it comes to branding and marketing um, on social media and on dig- other digital platforms. Um, so they, they've been very successful. Uh, we have a company called Black Owned Boss which is pretty well known here in Boston. Yeah, They basically um, focus on organizing and running pop-up shops. And Jada, who's the head of the, the company, is just, I mean, she's a business mastermind. She's brilliant, always finding new ways to innovate. And then we have Our Village, which is focused on community development and housing. And finally, Systemic Flow which is um, a company that helps uh, school districts, educators uh, support black women in uh, STEM and STEAM fields. So we looked for companies that could pivot, basically. In, you mean in the face of the pandemic? In the face of the pandemic, we looked for companies that had, um, had success and had a plan. Mm-hmm. And also uh, knew their audience. The main things that we look for, and I should say this too, our application process takes an average of seven minutes. And the way that I did that was I evaluated over 20 accelerator applications. I did a comparative analysis and identified the questions that were either irrelevant or unhelpful for us. And that gave us a very short application for our companies, but one that's really efficient. And and basically what we're looking for is companies that have a good business model, have a very specific customer base and target market, and have a strong founder, and also has uh, has been undersupported. I guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know there are companies that that we've identified for our next cohort that by this point in their development would have been venture funded, in my experience at least, mm-hmm. um, had they not been people of color. I wanted to tell you all about something I've been working on quietly for the past year or so, and that's Agency U. Agency U is a membership-based program where I work one-on-one with a small group of agency founders and leaders toward their business goals. We do one-on-one coaching sessions and also monthly group meetings. We start with goal setting, advice, and problem solving based on my experiences over the last 18 years of running ThoughtBot. 
As we progress as a group, we all get to know each other more, and many of the agency U members are now working on client projects together and even referring work to each other. Whether you're struggling to grow an agency, taking it to the next level and having growing pains, or a solo founder who just needs someone to talk to, in my 18 years of leading and growing ThoughtBot, I've seen and learned from a lot of different situations, and I'd be happy to work with you. Learn more and sign up today at thoughtbot.com slash agency U. That's A-G-E-N-C-Y, the letter U. What has been the most surprising use of one of the grants? So B-Royal used the grant money to lock down a store in Assembly Square in um, Somerville. We kind of anticipated they might do that. Um, Sozin Spa, they improved their website. Must Watch actually um, was really surprised us. Um, so they went out and got a valuation of their company and then basically worked with a crowdfunding platform called Net Capital to raise more capital. Mm. They had a pretty, I mean, they had a very specific plan um, and they had disclosed that plan to us. I just didn't anticipate they would act so quickly on it. And uh, based on the fact that we had given them a grant and all of this mentoring and support, their valuation actually went up. That's a really smart use of the fun, like to to propel that into a larger fundraise. That's really smart. I agree. So you know, you do this in addition to a day job. <laughs> I mean, they're both day jobs. It's just, yeah, yeah. So tell me about you mentioned Colette Phillips, the person. <laughs> How about Colette Phillips Communications? Um, so the all-inclusive campaign, it really is historic. The genesis of the campaign is that um, back in 2020, Colette and I you know, applied for an RFP uh, from the city of Boston. Um, it was for a tourism recovery campaign. All of the major cities in the country got this grant money for regional tourism agencies. You know, like they're a special interest um, niche, right? And they went to the feds and they're like, look, we're suffering, travel suffering, we need a grant. So all these grants went out. The city of Boston actually said, look, we want to focus on diverse tourism. So that was perfect for us. We applied, we got the grant, and we brought on Proverb, which is an incredible digital marketing agency and creative design agency, and the Greater Boston Chamber, or, or I'm sorry, Greater Boston Convention and Visitors Bureau. It was the largest contract ever to go to a minority-owned company by the city of Boston, ever. And it was about $1.5 million. Which in and of itself, for what the city of Boston probably spends on things, <laughs> is a little ridiculous that that's the biggest one. But let's <laughs> get beyond that, I guess. It's insane. It's very upsetting. And it was a long time overdue. In this case, that contract or that RFP was really only supposed to last like one quarter. So all of these regional tourism agencies, they get their influx of money, a million dollars or a few hundred thousand. And then from there, you know, they do the campaign, they move on. Um, we are now three mayors into this. We are $4 million into this. We submitted the campaign to the city 60 days after they contracted with us. 84% of the contractors on the project are minority-owned companies. And in that 60 days before delivering the campaign, we actually never met in person. So we did this whole campaign virtually from the start. Um, we came in under budget. We came in ahead of time. 
this is what happens sometimes when you let minority-owned companies, you know, take the lead. Yeah, that's that's great. How do you do a campaign like this? I mean, this is this is why they came to you and, and experts. But I, I think it's important that this message seem authentic and not pandering. Mm. Yeah, Colette is a visionary. I mean, she she's been talking about diversity and inclusion for like twenty years. There's an article that came out, I think, in like 1992, where she was talking about the importance of diversity in the business community. And now it's like microfilm; you can't even like find it like digitally <laughs> online. She's years ahead of her time, and she's constantly innovating. And all inclusive was was her idea, and you know she branded it. She, I think, it was a long time coming, basically. Yeah. You know, this is the culmination of a message and campaign that she's been kind of running her whole life. Yeah, I think that that's very powerful. And and I think it comes across in, in the campaign. It, it seems authentic. I think it would be easy for it to not seem that way. And so, yeah, it comes from that place of this was already a thing. It was already brewing. It wasn't just... Do you just, want to hear a story? Great. Yeah, I'd love it. So most of the media coverage for this campaign was exceptionally positive. Um, there are a few reasons for that. We included all small locally owned businesses in the campaign, so you won't find celebrities, no athletes or anything like that. We may do that later. We also invested, we took 200000 of the contract, which was this was not even supposed to be in there. We actually did ad buys with 19 different local newspapers. Um, in some cases, these newspapers would have actually closed down um, if we had not done that. Mm. And, and that was just a byproduct of something we felt was important. But amidst all of that, she got invited to do an interview on Bloomberg, um, the local Bloomberg station. She's on the phone, and some guy who was on the other line, um, I won't go into it too much, said, um, you know, as a white man, I'm really offended. I don't feel represented in this campaign. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, I've had enough of this. Hangs <laughs> up the phone. And so this is another part of like allyship, I think, is um, naturally, you know, I said, look, I'm taking care of this. Um, I wrote a letter to Bloomberg. I said, this is unacceptable. You need to take him to task. I don't know if he still works there anymore, but that's, that's kind of the role. You know, you have a black woman who's a pioneer. She just released a campaign. The first thing you should be saying to her is congratulations. Instead of saying that, all you can tell her is about how being a white man is like, I don't know, a disadvantage, which is crazy. There's tons of white people in the campaign. I'm white. I'm in the campaign. It's so foolish. I don't even want to like have to explain it, but like the campaign is literally called all inclusive. <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. It covers everybody. I mean, literally. Right. It's like, I don't know what you want from us. Yeah. And it, it's, it's not even like you go to the site, it talks about here's what you can do with families. Like, here's what you can do with kids, kid-friendly activities. Like, well, this campaign was also research-based. So we spent 100000 on research with this incredible company called Heart and Mind. They did a lot of research and they did a lot of surveying. And the words that came back when describing Boston were unwelcoming, mm-hmm. masculine. I think Tom Brady, Ben Affleck, crime, you know, just this kind of like machismo, unwelcoming environment and um, kind of confirmed, you know, some of the assumptions we had, but it was really surprising to see it in the data. So we said, all right, this is what we're working with. We have to come up with a narrative that counters that because Boston, 
is a majority minority city, 23 neighborhoods, 60% of the population speaks two languages or more. Um, so it's really not that, that um, ethos is really not accurate. Um, so hopefully we're doing a good job. So if folks want to help, you mentioned, you know, we already said a GK fund is a nonprofit. So mm-hmm. you can, uh, it's coming up to tax season. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So at the very least, even if you don't, uh, hopefully you care about the cause, but uh, if you just want that tax write off, I suppose that's another reason to, to donate. Absolutely. Um, so where can folks do that if they want to learn more and donate? Um, visit www.thegkfund.org. And are you looking for help in other ways beyond monetary? How can people get involved? Absolutely. So um, we're looking for mentors. Um, so individuals who feel like they have um, experience or skills to lend um, to these companies. Um, and we'll try to deploy um, these individuals in the, in the best way possible. Obviously, you know, we're looking for partnerships. So if you have a company um, that you feel like has something to contribute or is willing to make you know, a contribution, not monetarily, but either with your products or with a discount, we also want to give that benefit to the companies as well. You know, there are a number of different ways. That's great. And if folks want to follow along with you or get in touch directly with you, how can they do that? Uh, you can feel free to follow me on Twitter. It's just Michael Benezra, all one word on Twitter. Um, I got a lot of positive messages um, after the uh, Boston Business Journal article came out and um, in LinkedIn as well. Great. And you can subscribe to the show and find notes and a full transcript for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. You can find me on Twitter at cpytel. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Mandy Moore. Michael, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. And thank you for listening. See you next time. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. ThoughtBot is your expert design and development partner. Let's make your product and team a success.